everybody. I'm Marianne Katsidis, and this is the Heart-Led Changemaker podcast. Have you ever been in a conversation with someone where it felt so juicy and inspired that it left you feeling energized and ready to take on the world? There have been countless times I wished I could have recorded conversations like that because it felt criminal that no one else got to hear or experience that feeling. Those conversations ignite something inside of you because you visualize a new way to connect with others and sometimes even a new world. This show will provide you with ways to stay focused on the future, some food for thought, new ideas and concepts, a way to create abundance ethically, a showcase of those already doing the work and succeeding, and a sense of connection. Being a change maker can be very lonely, so this will serve as a community for heart-led warriors. Sit back and let this high-vibe, heartfelt conversation light you up. Joining me today is the Heart-Led Changemaker's highest-rated podcast guest, Luke Belk. Luke has been practicing astrology for almost a decade and is well-versed in astrological interpretation from a traditional Western perspective. Through his work as an astrologer, Luke helps clients understand the patterns and cycles in their lives and provides guidance on how to navigate them. In addition to astrology, Luke is also trained as a Reiki practitioner and energy healer. And he also offers past life regression therapy, which can help clients to explore their past lives and also understand how that, how that may be impacting their current life. Luke's approach to healing is holistic and grounded. He's an absolute legend, and I'm so excited to have him on the show today. Hi, Luke. Welcome back. Thanks so much for having me back. That's uh, that's awesome. That that was um, the podcast that was most popular. I'm stoked. That- Thanks by far the highest rated podcast i mean it's by a mile and it's not a surprise you you know you're an amazing human being the conversation was so beautiful i mean we talked about it was july when you came on the show and we talked about how critical it was for us to step in to the heart space and why working in integrity was important i mean we talked about taking responsibility for ourselves and being our own heroes and we talked about putting the work in in 2023 because you you mentioned that if we put the work in in 2023 we would start to see the benefits of that in 2025 and 2026 so now we're 6 months on and it makes sense to have you back on the show because we're heading into a, a new lunar year and a new astrological year as well so needless to say i have a lot of questions yeah but i think a really good place for us to start if you don't mind, is to talk about Pluto moving into Aquarius because we know it's about bringing a lot of deep, dark truths to the light. But I'm, I'm curious to know, you know, have you seen any changes? And if you have, what have you already noticed about the, the change since since then? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I've definitely felt a little bit of lightness coming through it from the heaviness of feeling like overburdened by obligation and responsibility. So that's more the hallmark of Capricorn qualities is like, you've got to be doing something, you've got to be productive, you've got an obligation, a deadline, you know, you've got this responsibility um, and the heaviness that's associated with that. 
for me personally as well, Pluto was sitting opposite my Jupiter for the last like three, nearly four years. And Jupiter is about self-belief and confidence and optimism and the future and the ability to like handle things and get over things and grow and expand. And Pluto in my second house of money has really been like fucking hard. <laughs> you know, Pluto has been in my second house of money since 2008 when it's in Capricorn. And Pluto deals with the extremes and I've gone from, you know, having a business, making a lot of money to selling everything and then having nothing and going to really zero and then now building back up the other way. So to have it moved back into Aquarius, it's sort of like, oh, I can feel that pressure removed. So it's this sort of lightness that's come through. And there's this anticipation that I feel now that people have, like, um, you know, there was a sort of slow start to this year, but Pluto's back into Aquarius as of the 21st of January now. And what's going to happen, it moved into Aquarius with the sun and the sun definitely illuminates things and brings things to light. So um, over the next month or so, every personal planet will make a conjunction with Pluto at zero degrees Aquarius. So uh, Mercury, Mars, Venus and the moon or either sun. Um, so it's really going to amplify that uh, Pluto story and what that's going to mean for us. And I think it's about like not uh, holding back now and allowing this process of deep transformation to the collective consciousness. And it's already been happening for the last few years, especially COVID was a real trigger for people's awakening journey. But now this is really integrating expanded awareness into the way in which we function as a society, humanity, a community. So that's going to be really exciting to see. Having said that, there's going to be also a lot of upheaval um, because as you know, there's less dependency on the types of traditional systems and, you know, things that we use to sort of maintain a level of control and, you know, status quo. And as people sort of expand their awareness and their consciousness and they sort of have that awakening process, there's going to be less sort of dependency on those traditional systems. So therefore they are going to sort of start to feel the stress of, you know, this humanity's awakening journey. Um, so that would mean that some of the systems, government, banking, health, like all that will start to so show a lot of signs of stress and the pathway to, to navigate is to really detach um, that's one of the qualities of Aquarius is detachment. And, you know, if you know an Aquarian, if you have Aquarian friends, they can be very direct, very frank, and they can sort of say as say it as it is. And, you know, they're not really one to mix feelings in that. They just sort of are really sort of objective in their approach. Um, and that's because they can they can detach. You know, they can just see clearly because they are detached this sort of idea or concept of subjectivity or self-centeredness and emotions that are associated to that and just clearly see so to navigate this year into next year in particular detachment is going to be tested and if you're dependent or attached to an external thing that's offering some level of security that that well that's going to be tested you know and how much you are detached aquarius co-ruled by saturn and uranus so the two rulers of aquarius Uranus is interesting because Uranus is planet of freedom and liberation, right? And individuation. And Saturn is the planet of like authority and responsibility. So Aquarius really illustrates to us that with great freedom, right? That we human soul desires for this sort of freedom of expression, freedom of creativity, freedom just to be. With great freedom comes great responsibility. So that means that 
as we collectively awaken and these types of old systems that we've relied upon start to break down, you're going to have to take radical responsibility for your path towards freedom. So strap in because we're going to start this year really like potently. And there's a lot of like, there was a lot of uh, stuff online around, you know, the Pluto's ingress into Aquarius with the conjunction of the sun being the biggest astrological event of our lifetime or even of 2024. And I, I don't think it is. It's, it's a huge sort of uh, uh, symbolic transition and an initiation of a new developmental cycle collectively. But I think that the big astrological sort of dates for this year are yet to come, um, but they're not too far away. And uh, there's going to be a lot of potency because what Pluto tends to, to sort of do is put unconscious pressure in certain areas of our lives. And the unconscious pressure, when it gets to a certain point, it doesn't take much of a trigger to release it. And um, there's a lot of triggers this year. So any activation of Pluto via a transiting planet or a lunation, so a new moon, full moons in particular, is going to really be a trigger to release a lot of that potency. Um, and we're not going to be shy of... Uh, entertainment from that perspective as we get through this year and then we can talk shortly but i'll sort of go through a little bit month by month with the major sort of stuff and all the different major planets and towards the end of this year in particular with what's happening in relation to pluto and having said that pluto is not fully into aquarius until the end of this year because of its retrograde cycle so a planet will um you know the outer planets will sometimes retrograde for six months of the year so when pluto retrogrades this year because it's only the early degrees of capricorn when it retrogrades it's going to enter back into to, uh, sorry it's the early degrees of aquarius it'll retrograde back into capricorn so we're going to have september to november this year pluto back in capricorn um so it's like unfinished business what was going on that needs to be finally sort of laid to rest or brought to light. And then as we get into sort of mid-November, at the end of this year, put it back into Aquarius again. But when it comes back into Aquarius at that point of the year, it's going to be in opposition to a retrograde Mars. And uh, Mars and Pluto don't tend to... Uh, <laughs> uh, well, let's just say they don't play nicely. They, they always uh, deal in sort of upheaval and conflict to a degree um, in... Uh, October of 2023, Mars made a square to Pluto and right around the eclipse. And that was the initiation of the, you know, the, the sort of revitalization of the conflict in the Middle East. That sort of went kaboom, you know, and all of a sudden the focus was shifted to there. So Mars is an interesting planet to watch through 2024 and especially its relationship to Pluto. And we start on February the 14th, Valentine's Day, with a Mars-Pluto conjunction. Um, so it's really laying this seed of like, okay, what, what is this battle between the will, the desire of the soul and the will of the ego and how are they playing together and how does that play out for us uh, collectively as well? So it's going to be an interesting year. I'm, I'm super like pumped and ready. I've already seen like exponential growth the last sort of month or two of 2023 and already into 2024. We're not even through the first month and my bookings are like nearly, nearly two months in advance now, which is fantastic because people are wanting answers and they're starting to take this stuff more seriously. Um, and we can talk about what, why that would be the reason for that as well as astrologically as well. So, yeah. One of the things that I love about talking to you is that 
my brain expands so significantly. I, there's like, so I've written some guided questions, you know, just prompts if we need it. I never need it because I've, there's like 700 questions that I've got banked up in my brain to talk to you about. It, it, I don't even know where to start. I, I, it, there's just too much. But one of the things you were talking about was about being detached and people with um, Aquarius placements, they are very good at that. I, I've got, I'm an aqua rising, so I'm definitely a straight shooter, very direct in that way. But when you look at our society and some of the chaos that's ensued, it's because they've been, it's been driven by provoking and manipulating people's emotions. So mm -hmm. it's not unusual that now we're being encouraged to be detached, to remove the emotion out of it and think logically through so you can make better decisions. Because when you look at what happened in 2020, a lot of people, because it was something that had never been seen before, and it was, you know, random, if you will, people were swept up in the hype and in the drama of it. And now some, not all, unfortunately, but some have started to do some work and have started to clue on that, hey, maybe there is another agenda to this. Maybe this is not by accident. Maybe um, it wasn't, you know, a monkey that was spreading all of this. Maybe this was, you know, human designed and intentional, all of those things. But I think the detachment part of it is particularly important because it's not just governments, it's not just corporates, it's not, you know, people in all of these places of power, even on social media, and this is leading to my next question, even people on social media are manipulating others using fear, using the emotions, using their storytelling and their promises and all the, all this sort of illusion and the, the, the perception, but underneath that, there is nothing real there. And so one of my favorite comments of yours on social media recently was about the Pluto change. And, and I, I've got this written down because it was just too good. You mentioned that people who are spiritually bypassing with their heads in the sacred cacao aren't going to be ready, which amused me to no end. I was pissing myself laughing about that because that has been one of my absolute bugbears. But for those who don't know what spiritual bypassing means, can you share from your perspective what that is and then what you believe are the impacts of spiritual bypassing and, and what we can expect to see as a result of those who are who have been doing that, who have who are spiritual but only on a superficial level. Yeah, and I guess that's exactly what it is. It's like that they can adopt a spiritual ego, you know, and all of a sudden they can come to these types of spiritual practices and methods and techniques, um, which are very good. There's nothing wrong with sacred cacao. It's amazing. But when it becomes an identity and it's like because I do this, you know, that I am a certain way, but, you know, my relationships are toxic and my work is te terrible and, and I'm broke, and it's like, yeah, okay, <laughs> you know, keep drinking that cacao, but you're not really doing the work. It's like the same when people go to um, plant medicines and things like that, and they get addicted to, you know, plant medicine ceremonies and stuff like that. I've done many. I think it's phenomenal. But if you're not taking the awareness shifts that happen during those processes and integrating the changes of your behavior in your life and evolving your identity, your self-image, uh, you know, and doing that work, 
then you can have a million, you know, um, plant medicine ceremonies and it's not going to change your fucking thing. It's just going to give you this inflated idea of sense that because you're doing that, somehow that might mean that you don't have to integrate in society. And this isn't to generalise everyone because there are exceptions to the rule, but you do see a lot. Through COVID for me, it was like the yoga community and it was almost like they'd spend a long time you know, spruiking the benefits of yoga and, and also the breathing exercises and how important breath was. And it was like, I was living in Melbourne at the time. They were the first community to mask up. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing covering your face? This is the breath of life. This is this, you're covering, what are you doing? And it's like, you know, all of a sudden there's this overinflated identity or ego associated with a certain practice that becomes the identity. And it means that because I'm doing that, I don't have to really do the work. And I feel like that the, the 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 comment that I made in relation to that was Pluto's going to bring a lot of dark shit to light and a lot of reality check for people. And a lot of reality checks, especially over the last sort of three or four years, to what was really going on at a deeper level and the manipulation that led people to make certain choices. And when that comes to light and you're busy over here drinking your cacao and all of a sudden the reality of that kicks in and perhaps reality of certain choices that people have made or not made because of that, Give me a kick up the ass. Um, so yeah, I think that a lot of that over the next three years in particular is going to be really tested. And for people that are really stuck on the practices or the techniques that it may be spiritualized, but not integrating it into who they are and what they do in their world, like improving their health and their well-being, improving the way in which they interact with their relationships, and not necessarily thinking that by doing the work, it's cutting toxicity out. Like I can just cut out all the people in my family and all the people that disagree with me and all the people that are conflicting. It's like, that's not Aquarian. It's like there is a level of detachment so you can connect, right? It's it's detached enough from the, the individuality of it to say, hey, we can connect even if I disagree with you. I don't have to say, well, you do, I disagree with you so you can go way over there and I don't want anything to do with you. It's like I need to connect with you because I need to I need that sounding board for people that I disagree with and have different points of view. And that's how we grow and expand. And the acceptance of the differences is the really true Aquarian. It's the, it's that not that we have to, you know, only have the type of people around us that are the same as us, that there is a nice connection that happens, but we also have to make sure that we're allowing space for the people that we um, may have share some values and similarities, but not necessarily everything and that they can challenge us and challenge our perspective in the way we see things. I feel like that with the work that I do, I get that challenged a lot with my clients because I have such an eclectic wide variety of different people and walks of life and genders and all sorts. And it's like, you know, you have to sort of be non really attached to the egoic aspect of it. So, yeah, I think um, the next two or three years is going to be a real eye opener and it will test the level of integral, you know, work and the integrity to the work and the work is the work of self-development um you know self-actualization so the moonlighters and the uh the spiritual bypasses i think will be will be either given a reality check and a kick up the ass to sort of confront themselves and do the work or completely you know obliterated <laughs> yes and I'm, I'm expecting that we will see a lot of that in the social media space particularly with influencers who are 
you know, it's all the beautiful, you know, poses and imagery, the traveling in Costa Rica and, you know, all sorts of different places where, you know, the perception is this wonderful life, but where is the work, you know, where is the, where are the conversations about the integration? Where is the conversations about doing that deeper self-exploration? And would you agree that we're going to start to see a disruption in that space? We will see a lot of celebrities and a lot of people in positions of power, whether that's elected power, unelected power, or, you know, social media power, because a lot of influencers They may be just very shallow type people, but very beautifully looking physically or whatever their edge is, and they can, you know, accumulate a massive following. And that's power because they have power of persuasion with that amount of people tuned into them. Well, all a lot of that, a lot of the insincere, the in, uh, unintegrated, a lot of the sort of um, shallow will will be really tested, and that's because opposite the sign Leo, which Leo would represent people in positions of power, you know, celebrity class people that we sort of look up to and idolize in a way um, for whatever reason. Um, So all forms of celebrity, not only just in like Hollywood and entertainment, but also, you know, the media and um, corporations, sports, entertainment, all sorts, right? We're going to see a lot of them fall off their posts. There'll be a lot of sudden celebrity like disappearances and deaths and like, whoa, what happened to that person? Um, And that's Pluto sitting opposite Leo um, in Aquarius and really sort of testing the Aquarian quality. If you think about Pluto for, you know, what was that, 15 years almost in um, Capricorn, the sign opposite is Cancer. So what did it really challenge and test in people is emotional stability. And certainly in in COVID, we could see that collectively, like uh, your emotional security was threatened (laughs) Um, and if you were very vulnerable emotionally then you were more likely to be uh, affected by the let's say the the propaganda that was used to what was the word I'm looking for you know to, to promote that particular agenda so you had to have a really strong sense of personal responsibility for your emotional well-being because Pluto challenged the cancer quality and cancer is all about emotional security and how do we feel safe and secure and how do we, what do we need to feel safe and secure? Well, now Pluto into Aquarius is going to challenge the the ego and the, the need for attention and praise, the need to be seen. Um, and that's a lot of like celebrity quality and people in power. And that's not to say there's not going to be celebrities and people in power, but they're going to be really, their integrity is going to be really tested. So you'll see new types of celebrities emerging and some that we've idolized or looked up to for a long period, or even people in really high position power tumbling and completely falling. Yeah, yeah, we've already started to see a little bit of that. Although it still surprises me how numb people are to the truth of some of the things that are coming out. You know, like uh, the the lack of reaction and response is really interesting, and and it it is um, you know, you want people to be detached emotionally so they can look at the facts, but there needs to be some, you know, you'd think that it would start some sort of movement and 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 a change, and maybe it's happening happening really subtly, but I am I, I feel sometimes still shocked by the fact that people are not outraged. 
it annoys me. Not not the ones who've been awake and unaware all the way through, obviously, but the ones who were sort of new to hearing some of this information. I, I do a really good job of informing my family whether they want me to do it or not. And that there's no outrage. And I I don't understand. I feel confused. I feel genuinely really confused. And and some of our um more heated discussions come because I just don't understand why they don't care. I think um, there's a couple of things. Cognitive dissonance is one, right? Even when presented the truth, people will deny it. Um, denial because of um, insecurity. And there's also been a zapping of the collective will, right? And that's been a systematic sort of uh, dumbing down and numbing down and, you know, through nutrition, through entertainment, through basic sort of junk con consumption of all types. You know, it's like there's this systematic sort of numbing and dumbing down of, of people. So what it does is it, it zaps the willpower. And if you, let's say, were coming to this new sense of awareness and you were then triggered by what had hap happened and what was done and how it was done and all this stuff comes to light and you start to go, what the fuck? You, you need a strong will um, associated to a really grounded, you know, sense of self in order for you to be able to feel comfortable and confident enough to, to express and speak out. So, you know, part of that whole program from 2020 was to, you know, it was called a coronavirus, which was crown virus. And the crown was to take the crown. And who wears the crown? Well, the king wears the crown, right? So the king is the sovereign. It's the leader. And they've taken that crown off people collectively, symbolically, so even if you did have the awareness, you don't have the power to be able to speak out. And I also think that there is a lot of people that are really like going, holy fuck, like maybe I was wrong and maybe some of those don't want to admit it, but also feel like um, they're not, they haven't got a voice, it's not publicised, it's not put in some mainstream media or, or mainstream social media. So therefore we can then perceive it as like what the hell why aren't people and maybe they are they're just not expressing it so um and this is a bit of Aquarius Pluto and Aquarius as well which will like it'll just continually put pressure on that from the unconscious right and the unconscious now the collective unconscious or the, the way in which we symbolize the collective unconscious is Pluto and it's in the sign of awakening so it's like the collective unconsciousness is going to awaken people and people might awaken to the nightmare and the nightmare might be God, I did all that asleep. <laughs> Holy shit, you know. And for some, they'll awaken to I did all that asleep and now I it's too late. I have to accept that reality. You know, I remember when I went through my personal awakening journey and I'd uh, realized a lot of the choices and decisions that I'd made building a life for myself were coming from a place of unawareness. And it was really confronting for me to like accept a lot of that. And it wasn't nothing to do with like COVID. This was like back 2014, 15. Um, it was just my own personal sort of choices and decisions that had created a life for me. And like when I awoke and I was like, I could see why and how I'd made those choices. And it was really, it's, it's quite a confronting thing to have to, you know, um, own that. Um, so, but that's part of the work, right? It's part of the work. Like I said the other day, I think it was one of my YouTube videos. It was like, um, you have to accept um what what was done to you and what you did from a place of unawareness and you have to learn how to forgive and let that go because that was when you were asleep 
So now you're awake and you, you know differently and you learn from that and you make different choices. So you just accept. If you can't and you hold on to resentment or regret, then you're all stuck or tethered to that past, those that either that choice, that experience, or what happened. And in that, you stay then in victimization. And the victim has the blame and it's not their fault. And if you're a victim, you remain powerless to make any changes because you don't need to. It wasn't your fault, right? Um, I see that a lot with people that have woken up in the last few years in relation to conspiracy and a lot of the dark shit, corruption, the manipulation, the real sinister stuff that's been going on for thousands of years that have only just come aware to in relation to people in high positions of power and corporate and media and um, politics and all sorts of things. And it can cause this real disgruntled sort of like resentment and like, fuck, you know, fuck the world, fuck the system, fuck, like they've got to die and pay for it. And it's like, well, you know, that happened because you were asleep. That's been happening for a long time because we've been collectively asleep. So there needs to be a level of acceptance so that you can let it go and move on. You don't want to be waving your fist at the world, you know, shouting out, oh, look, at look, they're doing all this bad stuff because you, you are basically saying it's because of them that I'm, I'm this way. It's because of that. It's because of this. And it's like, well, you, you've got to take responsibility for yourself. And that's the detachment. Let it go. That's, that's yes. You're Now you're aware. You see the veil's been removed, right? You have the clarity of vision, you see. So now what are you going to do with that? You know, and that's the work. So what are you personally going to do with that new information, that new awareness? How are you going to integrate that into how you live in this world? Because if you really want the world to change, it ain't going to change by waving your fist at the old world. It's going to change by making those changes and integrate them into your way of life and being in alignment to your values and morals, your integrity. Um, and that's what's going to change the world. It's not, you know, we've got to bring them down. When, when we really own our shit and get into alignment with our authenticity and that, that will take care of itself. Like it will take care of itself. And when we think in the sense of like justice, you know, eye for an eye or, you know, you've got to pay for the crimes, that's not up to us. That's up to, you know, that's yeah. up to our power. What we've got to do is let it go and have the faith that, you know, I say this all the time to people and, and you shouldn't really do forgiveness for this reason, but it's paradoxically what happens is that if you really want the person that hurt you to pay, forgive them. Why? Because the negative charge that they've created that you're holding that's hurt you, right, when when you forgive, it returns to sender. Like it goes back to where it came from. It's not yours. You're holding on to that. So forgiveness is about the letting go of that. It's going to go back. And, you know, that has to then, they will then feel the repercussions of their actions. It will create the shift in their reality and their awareness for them to feel the heaviness of the burden that they've caused. But if you hold on to that, I'm never going to let them go. They did this. I will never forget. I will never forgive. No, they need to know. <laughs> that charge, that you're holding that charge. What you're going to do then is you're going to move into your world trying to recreate a life for yourself holding this negative charge and wonder why you keep having similar experiences show up because you're attracting the thing that's going to help reveal the truth, which is that's the truth. So you've got to accept fucked shit's happened to you and you've done fucked shit and it's been going on for a long time because it's happening from a place of unawareness. 
you awaken, you make peace with the past that I did that from a place of unawareness. I made that choice or that happened to me because of it. Okay, I've learned. I'm going to let go of that now. I'm going to move on. Um, and yeah, you, you then move on in an empowered way. Um, I love that. And and it, it comes with compassion too, compassion for the people around you who might not be quite ready to deal with things or to see things. And and that part is challenging, but it would be remiss of me not to now, while we're talking about this, before we talk about the year ahead, to talk about some of the agendas that are going on out there. Some of the things we can't control, like cloud seeding, which actively, that makes me shake my fist. And that's only like a more recent thing. I've, I've been having such a strong physical reaction emotional reaction to it because I know how terrible it is. And and that's definitely not something I can control. I can control bringing more light into the world and, and fulfilling my mission and, and doing all of that kind of stuff. But when you look at some of the agendas like digital IDs, you know, potentially disease X, the cloud seeding and some of those other things, like what do you foresee for what's going to happen with those things? I know collectively we are awakening and we are changing and and that will be dealt with, but what do you foresee in 2024 for those things? Yeah, this, this, it, they're part of an agenda, right? And we could talk all day long about what would that agenda be and what would be the purpose of it, but we just accept that like the climate change narrative, um, the digital ID, the central um, uh, bank currency, you know, uh, all the different types of sort of things that are, that they're all part of one big agenda and try as they might, and they will be casualties. It will fail. Ultimately, it's not going to be sustained. Um, we will get to a point where it, they push to the point of complete upheaval. And I have a lot of faith long-term in humanity and in this point that we have reached in humanity um, in relation to the ability for us to fully awaken and transform the world and the way we live here and interact. So, like, I just accept that that's a part of an agenda that's that the people that are sort of behind that that's the Game of Thrones and they've been playing the Game of Thrones for, you know, it, it, we have a great year every 25,000 years, right? They've probably been playing the Game of Thrones for like, I don't know, 10, 12 great years. <laughs> so a long fucking time. So I don't really try to bother myself too much with like, damn, them and we've got to stop it and how dare they? It's like, oh, that's just like been going on for a long fucking time. We're becoming aware of it. We've got to like, you know, worry about ourselves and what we can do and how we can contribute. And what I do is whatever agenda is associated to all those things, like, for example, weather manipulation and creation is about furthering the climate change agenda. They can make it hotter and drier or they can make it wetter and more cold. Like, you know, so it's like the extremes. And now we've moved from uh, global warming to climate change to climate extreme. Of course, that's what they want to do because that creates instability. And if you're buying the narrative, now you have the weather patterns to like support the narrative. So you actually are, you know, reinforcing that by going, oh no, it's it's look at the bad weather or look what they're doing. It's like, I'm not buying any of the fucking narrative, right? Yes, the climate fucking changes. If we're going through the changing of an age from Pisces to Aquarius, which I really do believe that we are um, on a big sort of perspective. And it might be a long period of time. It might be 20, 50, 100 years for this changing of the age, right? 
that we're living through? Well, we're going out of Pisces and into Aquarius. Uh, Pisces is mutable water and Aquarius is uh, fixed air. Though, so they're the, the frequency that the sun emits here throughout the seasons as a sect, like is going to completely change. That's going to impact the climate. Absolutely, it's going to impact the climate. So we could expect it to change. Now, what they've done though is they've said that you know it's human behavior that's creating this, and we have to tax it, or we have to restrict it, or control it, or depopulate it. That just suits their own nefarious agenda. So I don't buy that aspect of it. Well, I can still hold the concept of yeah, fucking climate's changing. Of course it is. Um, and they're reinforcing that that sort of agenda by manipulating the weather but that's part of like warfare and you know they perfected these back in like the nazi and then the vietnam wars they perfected this type of technology well i don't know if people know what's going on but there is a war and it's the war against the people it's always been a war against the people maybe it was fought over resources or it was fought over occupation of territory in the past it's now legit all out on all fronts, a war on the people. And what the war is, is a war for your consciousness, for your mind, for your energy. How do they win it? By controlling it, by manipulating it, by um, directing it, your attention, your awareness, by, by being the ones to um, condition your belief about what you are, who you are, where you are, what you're capable of, what we're doing in this world. That's the war. And it's, they just, you know, they've got technology now to be able to continue that. So if you see that, you can still accept it, see it go along. You don't have to fight it or resist it. You can just walk right out of it. That's not my reality. I choose not to accept that as my sort of worldview and the way it is. And then you've got to be mindful as well as like the resistance to it as well. Like, damn it. Why can't people see they should stop doing it? Well, my focus towards the negative aspect of that is feeding energy into the very thing I don't want. You know, what you resist persists. So what about a third option of just, no, no, that's, I don't accept that narrative, that agenda, that perspective. That's not going to stop it. And that's not putting the head in the sand. That's being aware and detaching so that I can focus on the things that are going to make and create change. And that's being a better fucking human and looking at my personal relationships and the people that I impact and making meaningful contribution. You know, and making sure that I'm in, in integral to my shift in values and morals and the way that I see, like, this is a big thing with Saturn now in, in Pisces, been in Pisces last year, it's going to be in Pisces this year, or most of next year for a little brief stint in um, Aries and then back into Pisces. 2026, we'll have Saturn in Aries. But Pisces is, uh, you know, with Saturn there, it's about taking our spiritual uh, understanding and integrating that into reality and into reality. When we under, integrate a spiritual sort of um, connection or understanding, like, you know, who we are beyond just the physical and our connection to whatever that might be that we would call God or source outside of self or within self. Well, we've got to then, if we go, okay, well, we're a, a soul having a human experience and, you know, the connection of God is within and then through me, it's to the all source. If I really accept that as my sort of, um, you know, uh, worldview or um, meaning or purpose to like beyond just this life, I have to now take that and live in, with integrity in my life and, and have to live in accordance to that, which means that my actions have a cause and effect and that what I do has meaning and purpose. And the impact that I have, whether 
whether it's positive or negative, it's going to have repercussions. So no, I've got to choose to be a, a better person. That's not saying there's something wrong with me. That's just saying, you know what, we, we can do better and I can do better. And I'm constantly asking that question. And I'm constantly getting the feedback in my life of like where I need to make improvements. You know, I've got three kids, so it's always around me as a father and how I turn up in their world and how I guide them, but also create structure and discipline for them to like learn how to to be themselves. So there's there's a constant feedback there for me to sort of go, fuck, I've got to, that wasn't the best, Luke. Shit, I could do better there. But I didn't realise that I was coming across that way and that's how you've responded and it's impacted you. So you have to work on that. And I'm not perfect, but and I'm not trying to be perfect, but I am recognising the, the need for refinement and that continual process of chipping away at the stone of like my soul so I can craft that into the divine sort of vehicle that it is. So, yeah, um, I don't know if that answers your question. I don't even know what the question was. <laughs> this is why I love asking you questions because I just morph into this magic. I just love it so much. I'm, like, hooked on every single word that you say. It's so good. And I'm sure the audience feels like that too, no doubt. But the, I mean, that's such a beautiful perspective. So, you know, talking about the physical reaction and the outrage to seeing chemtrails, for example, that was one of the things we were talking about initially. And and it yeah. is a good perspective because I can just observe it rather than, and we can all just observe these things without engaging and just saying, and, and, and you're right, it's not about putting your head in the sand. It is just about, okay, I choose not to have this as part of my reality. This doesn't exist. And and I, for the most part, I you know, I chose to do that with COVID. I still do. But the, you know, I think now with some of the new things that are coming that are not new, but we only understand it to be new, um, I think that that's a really good timely reminder, especially because we know uh, there is going to be some push and there is going to be some, you know, full-on things that we're seeing in the media and, online and so forth that might disrupt us emotionally but just saying you know making that choice and taking that self-responsibility which sort of leads into what you were saying in that last bit about what can I do today to impact those around me what can I do to to better fulfill my mission and be a, a leader for those around me as well whether you've got children whether it's the you know the the team of people that you work with whether it's your your friends your family it doesn't really matter your community all of that is um important and and whether you want to believe it or not every action has an impact and and for the most part you'll never know how one action what that leads to and that's why you know I always think like you know where possible you know, smile at people, just smile at people because you, you don't know what kind of a day that person is having and you will never know the impact that one gesture of kindness can do. And and that concept is, um, I think, is a good philosophy for all of us and it just sort of brings you back to centre. It brings you back to that grounded, anchored place to let the, you know, the whirlwind of uh, this world and the shenanigans that are happening let that swirl around you but you stay still and you yeah. just stay focused on you how you feel about your contribution how you feel within yourself and your soul and that that is pretty much it and I think that that's a it's a good philosophy and a, and a really good approach to especially 2024 given it is going to intensify we know that it is but 
Yeah, I really love that perspective, Luke. Thank you. You're welcome. I'll just, I'll just add to that. I'm told, I'm told, so I don't know, but I'm told from pretty respected sources um, that a part of the life review that a soul will do at the transition of this life into the afterlife is to experience the impact they've had on others from the perspective of them. So if other words, if you've caused harm, you feel the hurt the other person felt. If you've caused happiness, you feel the happiness and the joy that you've caused as well. So, you know, that is a real sort of wake up call that we don't often give time to reflect on that aspect of like, well, what happens when it's all done? Am I going to pay for what I've done? Or is there a, is there a weighing of the souls? Is there a judgment day? And it's like, yeah, you judge yourself and you judge yourself based on the impact that you had on other people. So, you know, like you said before about smiling at a stranger, absolutely, because you don't know the impact that that's going to have. And what's the alternative to, to you know, to stare blankly or to have like your, your frustrations projected onto them? You don't know the impact that that's going to have. And that's like a very minute way to look at your interactions in this world. But like think of your personal relationships, whether they are family, friends, colleagues, intimate partners, uh, complete strangers, and the interactions you have and the hurt or the joy and love that you have, you know, impacted on others. And, um, you know, you, you may, you know, so I'm told, you may get an opportunity to really experience the, the full impact of your life from the perspective of others. So that's an interesting philosophy, I guess, to have a, to, to sort of go, mm, that's interesting. How does that, yeah. does that change? Like if that were true, possibly it is, how does that change how I am in this world? <laughs> you, you, if you're operating out of integrity, you'd want to change that pretty quick, smart, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I don't want to be like all of a sudden, like, you know, you're a great fuck you. And next thing I'm like, that really hurt them. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. God, shit, you know, so. It would be it, humbling. It would be very yeah, humbling. Absolutely. absolutely. And that's not to say like, if you've been a shit person and done bad things that now you're going to pay for it, because I think it's about the balancing and I could say I could accept there's some things I've done in my from my unawareness and I've impacted others negatively so I've got life left how what am I going to put on this side so that when I get to the end there is at least a weighing of that that there's there's, there's some balance or if not tipping to the side of you know positive dharma rather than negative karma which is the aqua scales right it's justice it is about creating that balance and that harmony because things are very like you know in our world things are very imba- unbalanced right now but within you can create a balance in your own scales and I love that perspective and 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 you know it's um it's whether the actions you know maybe some of the shit actions were intentional or unintentional and that that makes a difference as well because I think if you're not aware you know before you have your spiritual awakening let's say you might be acting like a bit of a shit. You know, I remember back in the day before my spiritual awakening, I had a lot of chips on my shoulder. I was a little, I could have, there were moments where I was an absolute terror and brat. I fully own that. But I wasn't intentionally trying to harm others. Doesn't mean that I didn't, but it wasn't an intentional thing. Whereas now I am intentional because I understand how everything works and everything is connected. I understand more about uh, the intention and your and the potency behind your actions and why, you know, the words that you speak and the things that you say and the energy that you're bringing in. So um, I like that. I like that concept. I think that that's a really good one for the audience to think about as well. Like think about, okay, if you're at that, you know, if you're reviewing your scales now, what's that next 
this next chapter for you going to look like and how are you going to, what actions are you going to take? How are you going to operate and hold yourself accountable in that integrity as well? And I, I think that that's brilliant. And, you know, and as well, it's not only what the impact you've had on other people, it's the impact you've, you have on yourself. Yeah. You've lived a life of being really hard and negative towards yourself and self-critical and really, you know, beating yourself up like okay there's an acceptance there that's come from my pain or my hurt or my wound or my unawareness or a combination so there's one side of the scales now here i'm at my, my life no matter what age you can look to the past as representing that aspect and you can in this moment go well, what now if i look to the future what do i got to do to balance those scales and i have to start loving myself I have to start being kind to myself. I have to start giving myself compassion and showing myself love and attention and care. And why? Because I don't want to be getting to the end like this and going, holy shit, that was a crap life, right? And when we talk about balance of justice, like the universe balances, that's what it will do. It always balances the, the polarities. So, you know, there's always going to be a cause and effect. And even if we don't see that playing out, it's happening. And it's happening on a perspective and a frequency beyond what we can imagine and it never fails to rebalance itself you know it's just like the sun and the moon you know there's a day and a night and even though some part of the year the sun wins the battle we have extended daylight well then the moon comes in and says that's eh, my turn to rule it this time. and and then it's you know tips the other way and then there's a rebalancing at the equinox every year twice a year you know and then we get to the solstice and it's unbalanced and then we tip back and go the other way you know it's just constant and it's in every aspect of life so when we understand that personally, we can then start to make choices to help rebalance ourselves and our life and our interactions with others. Yes. Powerful thing. Especially, I think that's the thing that we accept about this world and, and, our, and our sort of place within it is that we have a lot of power to make changes in our lives and the lives of others. And it's very simple. Simple. Like we were all looking for the big thing, what's going to happen and what's what can we do? And it's like, actually, what about just the little things? They actually matter that you know, they matter the most. And that's when you're aware of that and you're in integrity to that, that's the work, you know, without drinking your sacred cacao or sucking down your ayahuasca. I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying like if you're doing that and you're not working on those little things, then what's the point? It's so just a nice, a nice chocolate drink. <laughs> it, 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 well, it, it's, I have I have cacao all the time, ceremonial cacao, and I love that because it anchors me back into my heart space. But I'm I'm conscious of what I'm doing with it and why I'm choosing to have it. But it's not you know it's not for show. It's for me, um, and that, I think that's that that's the point of difference as well. Luke, let's deep dive into 2024. What can we? I mean, we we're going into the year of the dragon, which I'm very excited about because I'm a dragon. And it's um, all about the aqua, which I love as well. But what what can we expect? What what does the year look like? What's the breakdown? There is a really potent eclipse in April. Now, eclipses can generally bring about unpredictable change. Things shift and they shift unexpectedly. We use the last eclipse as an example, right, which was everyone things going along and the next thing there's the conflict and the Israel and and every the afterflow that happened. Well, that was an eclipse event. So technically, it didn't happen on the eclipse. It happened like a week or within that sort of zone of moving into the eclipse. But solar eclipses can often bring about events, you know, just before the actual eclipse. But what that energetically did, what did it do? It shifted the story big time. It shifted awareness, polarized people completely. So 
The next eclipse is is a really potent one, not so much just because it's a an eclipse. It's conjunct Chiron, and it's a North Node eclipse. Chiron is where we uh, we have a collective wound, and in Aries, it's the right to be, it's the right to exist, it's the right to express, to assert. It's it's the you know it's that right to even just have. You know, the generation that had Chiron in Aries, uh, so they would have been like the early 70s babies, I think maybe late 60s, early 70s. It's in, usually in a sign for about seven years. They were the first generation where children are to be seen and not heard. You know what I mean? Like, and I was part of that sort of, but not to that extent. They really were sort of like not, like children were not valued in that generation as being children. They couldn't be children. They had to be young adults or they had to be not seen. Right? They had to be really grow up fast. So that innocence was sort of stripped from them. So we all collectively, we, go, we, we have that sort of wound of, of our rights, our very valid rights to exist. So this eclipse being conjunct that, it's twofold. In other words, there's probably going to be uh, events that really test that wound and you'll see a lot of projection of that wound out so out of Aries and Chiron it could be a lot of angry outbursts a lot of reasons to be fucking angry and expressing that anger and really showing the world the other side of that coin is that there is a lot of opportunity for some collective healing on a deep level of existence and the right to assert and to be and to have an opinion and to express it so that's an interesting component to this eclipse but the ruler of the eclipse being that it's in Aries is Mars. Well, where is Mars at the time of this eclipse? But conjunct Saturn. And Mars-Saturn conjunctions are very interesting. The best sort of example of a Mars-Saturn conjunction of the type of doom that it can represent is in March of 2020 was a Mars-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius. And that was, you're being locked down now. <laughs> <laughs> like, now, not only you can't travel, but you're now locked down. <laughs> so that was like, what the fuck? So the Mars-Saturn cycle, you know, happens every about two and a half years or so. There tends to be this sort of like uh, real intensity to it and a, and a real restriction on expressiveness and, and, you know, and how we assert ourselves. So Mars being conjunct Saturn on the eclipse that lends this sort of like doomy type sort of like, well, this is pretty heavy, serious fucking shit. What's going on? Then we look over to um, Jupiter and Uranus and Uranus is the planet of liberation, change, upheaval, individuation, revelation, awareness, higher mind, like awakening. And Jupiter is a very expansive planet and they're both in Taurus and Taurus rules, um, among other things, fixed Earth. So we could see geological shifts and changes in a major way so uh you know things like volcanic or seismic activity um and then the effects and that that has unexpected big events in that nature um but also the monetary system is ruled by Taurus to a degree uh the stock exchange in particular so at the time of the eclipse you also have Jupiter and Uranus in pretty tight conjunction as well so Expect the unexpected with Uranus and Jupiter in a big way. Something big and unexpected. The Saturn Mars is like, whoa, this could be a little doom. And it's an eclipse on top of Chiron, like exactly conjunct it. So I look at this eclipse and I'm like, 
really that's going to be a real marker of 2024 to really shift the dynamics to really bring about what's going to happen. And I would say it's going to be the first of many points of upheaval and and potential conflict and and escalation of things like whoa now that's that's april now that eclipse is the second great american eclipse the first great american eclipse was in 2017 and it went from seattle to florida this eclipse in 2024 in april on the 9th of april runs from sort of new york to california so from 2017 you had an eclipse go like this across the states 2024 eclipse go across that creates a cross across the united states and in the middle of those are two eclipses right in the middle was the jupiter saturn conjunction at zero degrees aquarius on the winter summer solstice right the saturnalia point so it's like x marks the spot and usually in ancient times, one eclipse across a land that was governed or ruled by a particular aristocrat or, you know, royals or whatever, was a very ominous sign of change of like the most likely you're going to have a fall of the monarchy or the rulership or the king or whoever. So the two eclipses, the great American eclipses with this, you know, Saturnalia grand conjunction, Jupiter Saturn in the middle of it. It's like, you know, the show is on for the United States and what the United States represents in terms of Western democracy in, in particular. So I was like, okay, we're, we're really going to, this is going to really, you know, shift things in a big way. Post this eclipse, um, within a month or so, Jupiter moves into Gemini. And uh, Jupiter deals um, with growth and expansion of things, tends to bring uh, opportunities for the types of experience that help us go beyond the known and into the unknown and push the boundaries. And, and um, sometimes those experiences are wonderful and great and we can expand and grow through growth of a family or a pregnancy or money or, you know, a relationship or career, you know, opportunity. And other times they're really difficult situations that really push us to grow as well. Um, but Jupiter is debilitated in Gemini. And when a planet's in its debilitation, we can tend to get some of the more negative expressions of that quality. And Gemini sign is a lot of information, a lot of communication, a lot of stuff a lot of stuff coming to light but also coming from this way and then coming from this way and then this way and then it's all of a sudden an information overload but jupiter naturally rules sagittarius that's long distance journeys foreign lands foreign culture jupiter in gemini is the the short distance stuff so are we going to see some sort of you know changes upheaval conflict um escalation of like un, um, uh, instability which leads us to a shutdown of travel you know, um, it's it's signature is there possibly, especially as we move towards the end of 2024. Uh, I know people have been afraid of that. Like, oh, they got to stop traveling, things like that. And I don't know whether they are or they're not, and what would cause that if we did. But you certainly with Jupiter and Gemini, I'm like, well, that would make sense if we have a restriction on long distance travel. And maybe you could travel, but only to local shops or you know interstate, but not necessarily cross borders or um, across the ocean. So that's going to be interesting. Um, to sort of see how that plays out. Um, it, there's a lot of stuff online, you know, this is going to be the year for Gemini and Jupiter and Gemini, but Jupiter is debilitating in Gemini. And just because there is a certain alignment doesn't necessarily mean something specifically to get a personal interpretation of how these energetics affect you and what they mean for you and your journey. You really need to look at more than just one alignment or placement. You have to look at the whole thing in context for you and your chart and what's being, you know, released energetically that's going to play out for you consciously. Um, so I'll just say that as a caveat. And then the end of this year, we have Mars retrograde. That happens every two and a half years. 
Mars retrograde is a pretty volatile periods of time. Um, there's a lot of potential for anger and aggression and conflict and the outward expression of it. When Mars is direct, we're able to sort of be more in control of our martial energy when it's in retrograde. But this Mars retrograde happens in Leo and Cancer. It's going to be in Leo going back into Cancer. It's going to mean that we're going to have Mars in direct opposition to Pluto for probably three months. So, you know, normally a Mars opposition to a planet will last maybe three days to a week as Mars moves into the direct alignment and then moves out of it. It sort of builds, hits the alignment, moves out of it. The oppositions can be a lot of conflict, right? When you're in opposition, your opposition is who is opposing me. And that's Pluto and Aquarius. That's the people. <laughs> and Mars in Leo, that's the people in power, right? So it's the power against the people. Um, and that happens like the peak of that is really Christmas 2024. So I'm like, you know, I heard a lot of stories and conspiracy around the last Christmas being the last one. I don't know if you got that, you know, yeah. people saying that's the last Christmas. And I was like, what, 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 why would people be saying that? And, you know, and then I look to that alignment, I'm like, are we moving to like, you know, worldwide conflict, potential like, you know, war on certain different fronts and areas? And could that be a, no Christmas because, you know, we're at war? And I'm like, yeah, it's possible possibles like we go into that point um and then i look at the eclipse across america and i'm like what the hell's going over there like there's certain a lot of political social instability in the u.s a lot of people uh, a lot of countries a lot of regimes around the world are sort of i think they're waiting for their moment to sort of like you know what's happening the the trump story is very interesting this is my own personal opinion um, so I'm just going to say that from the, the get-go, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's eliminated this year somehow, whether it's being sickness, jail or, or assassination. And, uh, you know, he'd be brought in as this saver, saviour. But the way I look at Trump is um, his job is done. What his job was was to blow the trumpet on all of the stuff that came to light since 2017, um, which was all of the stuff that everyone is now sort of when I say everyone, most people on their awakening journey have gone, oh, 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 you know, all that shit, you know, conspiracy, like, uh, you know, all the corruption and like the manipulation and all that. So I look at Trump as that was his role, was to, to blow the trumpet, which is the Pluto card in the tarot deck, you know, judgment card, which is, you know, the angel playing the trumpet and all of the coffins opening up and the dead bodies rising to the top. Well, that's, look, that's what's going on. Right. This is what happened when we've been asleep. We've we've been kept in the dark about a lot of shit. Do I see Trump as the savior to end all of that? No, no, I don't. I, I, and I think the reason is, you know, if we tie this into what Christ conscious, my, consciousness might mean and the return of God, uh, Christ or Jesus, I look at it as the return of Christ consciousness within humanity, which is what the age of Aquarius is really about, returning that conscious expression of Jesus, the story of Jesus, into the individual of man, which means that there's no saviour. In the age of Pisces, there is a saviour, right? There's a saviour God, and he saves us from our sins, right? Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That's Jesus talking to God, saying, hey, you've got to forgive them because they're asleep. They're in water world, Pisces. They're in the dream state. They're not consciously awake, Aquarius. So we need someone to save them. That's Jesus enters and saves us in the age of Pisces, well, for us to enter into the age of Aquarius, we're not going to get a saviour. 
No one's coming from God or heaven or somewhere else on this earth to say, you have to save yourself. We have to save ourselves. So it wouldn't surprise me looking at the symbolism of what Trump represents and that he's been sort of promoted as a savior in ways like, you know, what the hell is going on? And Trump wouldn't do this. And Trump and Trump, 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 you know, and whether you're for it against the Republican Democrat doesn't really matter. It just, I see the symbolism of it. And I'm like, it wouldn't surprise me. And then I look at the astrology to sort of say, does that reinforce this type of like what? Because what would, what would lead us to a world war? Well, I really feel if Trump was elected, just like when he was last elected, he, he met with a lot of the, uh, the, the the foreign regimes that sort of there was a bit of tension, especially with US policies. And he made peace with a lot of them in the Middle East and, you know, North Korea and places like that, and Putin in particular. Now you've got this sort of puppet Biden that's in there creating all this like anarchy really within home soil and abroad. And then you've got this like, well, you know, Trump gets back in, it's all going to go away. Well, let's say that the story that they're sort of presenting as, you know, this narrative of like life and world that they remove Trump, then I can see that quickly escalating into sort of, you know, conflict igniting in Europe, in um, the Middle East, in China very quickly as a result. But not only that, the, the upheaval that would be caused for the people in the US as well. Now, on a really big perspective, why would that be happening? because uh, it's the elimination of the extremes. And that's another thing that needs to happen as we move into fixed quality. Pisces is mutable and Pisces has, you know, huge expression of, uh, or, or like a, a spectrum, right? A huge spectrum of expression from one end to the other. That's Pisces, it's mutable. You know, um, Neptune and Jupiter being the rulers are very expansive and you can get like the, you know, spiritual heights and transcendence enlightenment to like the complete down in the dark, you know, worst of it as well. So as we shift out of the age of Pisces into Aquarius, Aquarius is fixed, it's stable stability, right? Fixed is we don't have the polarities to the extremes of what we do. How would you then get to a place where you collectively can bring to light all those extremes to obliterate or annihilate or to... Uh, merge them, right, you would need conflict in order to do that um, because what conflict represents is the oppositions at war. So I feel like your audience, I know mine can definitely support and handle this type of awareness, but I feel like that that's probably where 2024 will lead us you see, into global conflict. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if this year they killed the king, a bit like um you know, JFK. Now, does that mean he's dead? Maybe he's already dead, but the, it's the idea that's being killed, right? It's the idea. So how could they do that? Hmm. How could they fake the moon landing? How could they assassinate JFK? How could they, you know, pull off the Twin Towers? How could they do COVID? They've been doing this shit for a long fucking time. Of course they yeah. can do it. It's not yeah. that big of a stretch to go, Is, what? Now, if you're unaware and you're just starting to awaken your consciousness, you might be like, oh, my God. Detach, right? Detach, because if you're attached, you're going to be polarized or crazy. So detach. If it's not at some level entertaining to you, like, wow, what? Oh my God. You know, and you can still integrate and live in your life and be who you are. If you can't do that, then disconnect. Don't detach. Turn it fucking off. Don't look at it. Don't consume it. Don't expose yourself to it. 
Like go off, hug a tree, eat some wholesome food and just stay in your little bubble, but don't expose yourself to it if it's going to overwhelm you. Um, and this is how you navigate through these periods of time. So, so true. I have a question. What do you foresee for RFK? I know you're, you, you're saying Trump, it's not, you know, it's not likely we're going to see him back in, but what about RFK? Do you, do you think he's going to have any, you know, there's like a momentum a little bit building with him, but do you, do you think he's going to um, be able to take the crown, if you will? Robert Kennedy Jr. Yes. Is that who you, yeah. Um, no, not a, not a chance. No, no, no. In fact, military occupation of the US by the end of the year, most likely. No election, no new prime minister or president or whatever. No, I don't see any. There is no saving the people. There is no one coming to save them. There's no, we're going to elect someone to do this. We have to do it. Yeah. So I, I, that's where I think we are. And I think that's the reality of the next few years. And that's going to mean community is going to be so important. And your community is like your tribe, your people. So hopefully throughout COVID, you've been able to gravitate towards the people that are your people. Um, your family's unit is strong. You've been able to get through all the differences that sort of polarized a lot of families through the last couple of years. So forgiveness is important and acceptance and, not, you know, triggering and cutting out and all that. It's like, you know, we've got to stick together. Got to have the right type of people that can support um you know, survival through the next few years. And I don't mean survival in a sense that you're going to have to be bunkered down with a bulletproof vest and, you know, defending a country from, like, invasion. I just mean survival is in getting by with what's going on. I think the the vast majority of common people that are not polarised are particular, like, perfectly safe. But I feel like the people that are going to be outraged and they're going to be marching off to war because it's this or it's that or they're going to be in the streets and creating civil unrest, they'll round you up lock you up, put you in a FEMA camp, like, yeah, and then probably say, oh, you're in here now, you have to take this inoculation. That's, yeah, you have to be vaccinated and, oh, what do you know, turned you off. So I feel like that the, the way to navigate is detach, stay connected to your community, you know, see it as entertainment. If your personal survival is threatened, then seek guidance and support around that and be prepared. Awareness is about preparedness. Like if you have awareness, you're prepared. Um, you should have especially if there are certain trigger events this year where there's a, like a little bit of like upheaval or crises, you should probably have a minimum of about three days worth of survival, food, water and battery power. So that if there was an event where, you know, everything, let's say you couldn't buy fuel or food or there was no power, you need three days worth. After three days, usually what would happen is there would be intervention from your armed services, military or, you know, whatever, homeland security type people to sort of bring back uh, civil balance. You Look what happened at COVID, right? That was just a pandemic and it wasn't even really the full pandemic. And then people went mad and bought all the toilet paper and then fought in the aisles over shit tickets. Like, you know. Well, imagine, imagine if something happened like the, the economy sort of crashed or the stock market crashed or there was some sort of bomb went off or a, or a massive sort of uh, geological event and all of a sudden like supplies to your supermarket ran out and next thing you're down there trying to get the la last bag of rice with another 300 people. I don't want to be in that situation. I don't want to be down there fighting for rice, you know, and that's what would happen. That's where you're in the most threat or danger is like people will go mad and crazy because they will, they will, that survival mechanism kicks in 
and it's fight, flight and survive. And I'll do whatever I need to do to make sure my family survives, right? I don't really care. A good movie that really um, reflects that story is the, the one on Netflix, which is Leave the World Behind. Have you seen that yet? No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I mean, I won't do the spoiler alert, but watch that because there's a lot of symbolism in that of what would happen at the end of like if shit went to shit. It's like, you know, everyone man for themselves. So hopefully you've got enough community support around you that if it did get that way, and I hope and pray that I'm wrong, but I wasn't wrong about COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I would say that be smart and, you know, get together with your loved ones, the ones that are at least able to hold this perspective that aren't freaked out by it and just have a plan let's say all of a sudden the, the uh, internet went out and there's no phone coverage and no power and you need to make sure that your grandma's safe how do you how do you do that right or you need to make sure that you know someone that's vulnerable is looked after or you have a meeting point like you, you know have those this is the year i would say that that would be a smart thing to at least bring into awareness to do some planning around not because you will need it but because if you did you have it and most people won't survive the first three days of that sort of shit because they're not prepared and they freak out. And if you're freaking out in a large city of a couple of million people freaking out, ain't no rice left, don't worry about wiping your ass. You're not going to eat. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you're ahead of the curve. You got, okay, well, I got, I got enough food. And you can just chill then. Oh, there's no power? Okay, I can read a book. You know, I've got a book here. I can play cards. I've got candles at night, you know. That's the worst, worst, worst case scenario. But we're in a pretty, like, we're in the pointy end of transition now that's only going to expedite through 2024. And in 2025 and 2026, I'm not the only one saying this. The, the, the sort of cosmic clock reflects it, but a lot of people from a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different respected, um, you know, knowledge are sort of saying we're probably going to be at war, you know. So, yeah. Good times, good times. Do you know it's um, it feels like such a privilege to get this insight and this sort of forecast, if you will, because it gives you time to adapt and prepare. When I moved from Melbourne back to Adelaide, I, I literally live six houses down from my parents and all of my extended family live within 5Ks of each other. So we're in like this little loop. So there's, you know, but I, I could foresee that scenario sort of happening again. And I didn't want to go back through the experience that I had in Melbourne where I was isolated from everyone for months at a time. So yeah. I, I feel like um, hindsight's a good thing, but also spending some time thinking about without the fear in those circumstances, what would I need around me really? You know, what kind of food would make it easy for me to survive? What you know, do I need to refuel on some candles maybe and just have some of that kind of stuff around? What, you know, what else would I need so that I felt, so I stayed grounded and I stayed centered and I stayed sane for the most part and didn't get wrapped in again to that whirlwind that was going on. And I think it's a beautiful gift for uh, all of us to receive that forecast and that insight for, for what we can expect over the next year and next maybe two or three years as well which you, you know it, it it feels daunting but also you can um you can stabilize by being prepared and and I love that and so my final question changing gears completely this this is uh, this is something that I've noticed about you you're a music fan like myself and we're the same vintage 
we like the same music except for the metal side of things. I'm not into metal. You're into metal. So my question to you <laughs> is, and this is like really so random, but my question to you is if you had to pick a song for 2024, what would it be? That is a good question. Yeah, I've got to keep you on your toes. Yeah, that is a good question. You know what? Because I'm a Tool fan and Tool are progressive rock slash heavy, but lyrically, musically, they're a phenomenal band, phenomenal. And lyrically, they're a spiritual band and they sing about spiritual concepts. You know, their, their album Lateralist is all about a spiritual awakening. Their last album, which is called Fear Inoculum, the symbol of tool for the cover of that album folds back on itself and it is a golden syringe. And it came out in 2019 before the pandemic of 2020 and its songs were all about descending into the darkness, waking up the child, like breathe now and wake up now, people, and that we are about to sing the swan song of humanity. Like, in other words, that epilogue is gone and done. Like this is the final hurrah sort of thing. And then next thing, COVID happens, like these motherfuckers, they know a thing. So they have a, a, a song on that last album called Tempest, which is written seven and instead of a T, Tempest. And a Tempest is a violent storm, uh, usually whipped up in the ocean, you know. And I feel like that that really can illustrate this year. It's going to get pretty hectically like, whoa, we're going to be feeling like we're in a bit of a storm. So, yeah, that song, it's an epic. I think it's almost 20 minutes long, that song. 20 it's minutes? Like, it's it's a long song. Let me just check. I'll tell you how long the song is. It's like that. And that's tool. They they literally um, write these songs that are fucking, they're epics. In, um, in they fairness, have... I've never really listened to any tool songs. I haven't, I haven't felt a connection, but maybe I need to re explore that. Yeah, let me just um, 15 minutes. There you go. 15 minutes 15. and 40. When you think the average songs are usually, you know, between three and maybe five minutes at the max, mm -hmm. 15, wow. Mm -hmm. I've been fortunate enough to see Tool six times. I saw them right at the beginning of 2020. They came to Australia <laughs> in February uh, and I saw them in Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne and fuck, it was just, they're just, <laughs> um, so there's that. And then there's another song by a train, uh, by young younger brother, it's called, uh, the band, and that song's called Train. That's a fucking epic song too, and it's like being stuck in this machine, and it's basically saying there's no one else. Like this, we're in this machine, how do we get out? And there's no one else, there's only you. So that that's another song that really comes to mind. Those two particular would be my sort of um, theme songs for 2024. And, you know, I'm not saying any of these things to try and scare people. That's not my intention. It's not to try and clickbait and get people going, oh, my God, oh, my God. Or, what's going to happen? Just understand that in order for us to get to a completely, you know, more aware and awakened humanity and and then a way to live and to interact here, a lot of this old archaic patriotical toxic system that we've been conditioned to just accept has to disappear. So it, it's most likely going to come through conflict alchemically from Pisces, which is water, to Aquarius, which is air. How do you get alchemically? chemical water to air you boil it right you boil the water and you get steam and that's air so alchemically pisces to aquarius is about turning up the heat well 2024 i think they're going to start turning up the heat you know so get out of the kitchen <laughs> get out of the kitchen and look prior to 2020 a lot of people in the know a lot of high up people in positions of power and corporate leaders 
exit stage left. Bought their little plot of land and just went, yeah, that's me. I'm done. See you later. Why? I look at Tool, Tool's other band, um, the guy Maynard, um, he has another band called um, The Perfect Circle. Their last album, um, Eat the Elephant. An elephant is a symbol of Pisces because Pisces is the 12th house, rules large animals. So Eat the Elephant is like we're, we're getting rid of Pisces. And there's a lot of songs in that album in particular, and that was 2019 that came out as well, that sort of depict like this is the end of all of that shit. So like astrologically, the symbolism I see played out, Hollywood movies, just the way things are, and then what's happening to the consciousness of humanity, like we're getting to the pointy end where the transition is going to take place and you might, you, you know, it's going to really sort out like the wheat from the chaff as well in sort of in, in that many respects. Um, so my comment about, you know, if you got your head in your cacao thinking that you're all spiritual, it's all like going to just magically go away because you're meditating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so true. Oh, God, I just so love speaking to you. And I, I'm, I've loved this chat again. You are an absolute star. I was so glad I asked you about the music side of things. I knew you would have at least one or two ready to go. For our audience who uh, may not have heard our first episode, how can they connect with you? I will share your details, but how can they connect with you? Um, very easily. So my name is Luke Balk, B-A-L-C-K-E. And on anything online, I am found under that name. Social media on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. My website is lukebalk.com. And I'm very approachable. I answer every question or every DM that I get personally. I don't have any sort of PAs or virtual assistants. I'm direct. You can get in contact with me. I'm available for in-person sessions on the Gold Coast, as well as online everywhere in the world. I will say that since our last uh, podcast that we did, um, I had about 5% North American clients. Now I've got like almost 20% North American clients. So huge growth in this short period of time for people over in the US. Um, they're going through a hell of a lot over there. And a lot of people are like, what the fuck is going on in the world, especially at home? And in times of crisis or need, it's like astrology doesn't have every answer for you, but a hell of it can point you in the right direction. And what it helps me do on a big level is just bring a level of awareness and understanding so I can manage where I'm at and what's going on and what is called of me. You know, where are my sort of, responsibilities and obligations as a person as a human as a member of you know the world society what am i here to do and, and how am i going to do that and everyone's chart is going to help them illuminate that story and that path for them um, and i'm not saying astrology is it there are lots of different tools for self-awareness it's just one that i resonate with the most because the language it speaks speaks to my soul i love yeah. that and I, I love the the question of what can i do to take that responsibility for myself what can I do to to do my part in this world and um, I think that that's a beautiful sentiment for us to to end on today Luke thank you so much for joining me today I will have you back again but I uh, I thank you for all of your insight and all of your perspectives on all of the things that we spoke about today and I wish you all the best same. Likewise, I really appreciate the opportunity to come on here. And um, yeah, really, thank you. It's always a pleasure. So I can't wait for the next one. Yeah, me too. See you soon. Cheers. <laughs>